Blog Talk Radio. my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can telephone in or you can call in using Skype. After you call, if you want me to open the line and let you speak on the show, then hit the number one. Otherwise, you can just listen to the show either over your computer or over the phone. In the second half of this show, we'll begin taking questions if there are any. And I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics and spirituality, the coming changes and the kinds of things that we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this out for about 11 years now. And to sign up for that, you would go to hotpinklotus.com. I don't share your address ever with anyone. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Dr. Constance Rodriguez, Ph.D., who has written a book called Gifts of the Soul, Experiencing the Mystical in Everyday Life. Let's see if Dr. Rodriguez is here. Hello, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. So I guess my first question is, what do you feel like the impact of dreams is on um, on the person as regard to what their soul has to say? Well, when that's a great question because a lot of people dismiss dreams as just something that happens during the night. And really, a dream can be the way our higher self or soul self comes through to give us guidance in our lives on any any uh, matter that we're struggling with. So it could be um, a, a spiritual um, um, path that we that we may be on that guidance can come through. It may be in a relationship. It could be just struggling over you know a daily um, problem in our everyday lives. Uh-huh. Whether, whether to take this job or that job. So our dream life is really important. And once a person is begins to understand their own dream symbology, they begin to unpack the dream and, and make meaning for themselves as to what their own guidance is trying to, to give messages to them about their their process and their evolution of self. So is it words? Are we supposed to be paying attention to words or visual symbols? or what? In what way does the soul try to communicate in the dream? Yeah, well, because, it, because our dream psyche doesn't do words, we get images. And so that the images are usually packed with meaning. Mm-hmm. And so what, 
we have to do is begin to ask questions about what that image might mean to to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So each each person's dream um, repertoire, you might say, has their own dream symbol dictionary. So I don't usually recommend going to another dream symbol dictionary to look something up, but instead to begin asking questions such as, what associations do I have to to this image? What does it mean to me? What's it feel like? And, you know, I, I think that answers a lot of people's questions about which dream book is right because yeah. they all are and none of them are. None of them really are because it's somebody else's idea about what that particular symbol means. Um, let's just take... Um, the symbol, let's just take um, some, a shoe. Let's just do a shoe. <laughs> so if you're dreaming about shoes, for example, it's hard to find a dream dictionary that's going to be able to give you the across-the-board meaning about that shoe if you have a particular story or history with regard to your feet and to your what meaning you make of shoes. So I once worked with a woman who had would dream about shoes, and in my dream group I asked her, well, tell us about what shoes, what are shoes? What do they mean to you, not just to? Because what I would say might have a different meaning for, for myself in the dream. Mm-hmm. And so she began talking about when she was a little girl, she had a club foot and that she couldn't wear shoes, and that she always had to wear ugly shoes when all the other kids could wear beautiful shoes. And as she grew and the problem was um, taken care of medically, she was then able to wear any shoe she wants. So she had not a shoe fetish, but she loved beautiful shoes. And she would buy really cute sandals and so forth. So when the dream brought her the image of this shoe, and it had, of course, the context around it was really personal, she she began looking at a time in her life when she was unhappy with how she was going about in the world. And this dream was pointing that out to her, that something was amiss in her life the way, as the way she moved on her feet. Mm-hmm. So isn't that interesting? That would be very personal. It so would because that wouldn't mean that to me at all about right. shoes. Exactly. I pay no attention to shoes. See? And your dream psyche would give you an, a dream image that might be completely different to give you a message about the way you are going about your life. It would be a car. <laughs> And that's real typical. There are typical images in people's dreams, and um, vehicles are are one of those. And so people often dream of being in their car or not being able to go or going backwards on a freeway, or, mm-hmm. um, or they dream about being in a particular type of car. Mm-hmm. All of that has, every single one of those things has personal meaning. 
Or the road becomes like a roller coaster and you can't control the car and then right. it winds up filling with water. Yeah, so what Those was that? Those kinds of things. That's ex- that, that would be, the question would be, so what does that feel like to you in waking life? Is there anything in your waking life that might feel like that? Out of control feeling, see? And then the dream is saying, yeah, look, you need to pay attention to this place in your life where you're feeling out of control. And usually a dream will point out um, a prognostic uh, movement. So it will say, you know, do this, go that way. So dreams are really important once we begin understanding our own personal dream imagery and what what we make of it. So it might be a good idea to keep a journal about your dream symbols. Absolutely. I've kept dream journals for 25 years. And some of my dreams have been um, futuristic in terms of the dream I had at the time and couldn't make sense of mm-hmm. six months down the road make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I could go back and go, oh, wow, that was... That was so telling. Now I see what my dream psyche was was working with because our our subconscious, our soul self is timeless. It 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 you know, the future, the past, the present all is sort of in the now. Mm-hmm. So, um oftentimes dreams are pointing towards something that's going to be appearing or happening in six months. Six months from now. So that's dreams are just one of the ways the soul can communicate with us, right? Just one. What are some uh, of the others? Yeah, and I just you know, before we go on to the others okay. I'd like to say that in my book, which actually that's the last chapter, but I give uh the I give people questions to ask themselves so they can understand or unpack their own dream imagery. And using those questions they'll begin to um, be able to make meaning of their own dreams. So if you're if someone isn't familiar with their with what their dream psyche is trying to say to them, they can use these questions and begin to make meaning out of the of the dream images. And it becomes really fun. It's actually, you know, um, it's sort of like, oh, what what did my soul self tell me last night? You know what's What's the news of the day? So it becomes very uh, intriguing to have these letters from God, as Jung called them, come to us during the night. So you asked about some of the other ways. Um, And in my book, I talk about some of these other ways to become connected to the soul self and... um, my premise is that we need to really clear our energy body, which is like an antenna for picking up in information for ourselves. So we have to be able to have a really clear station, you might say, in, at all levels. So it's the physical or, um, you know, that, that realm of our being it has to be pretty clear. If we don't feel well, we're certainly not going to get intuitive hits. Um, and and the emotional level is another level of our in, energy body. So it's the physical, the emotional, 
mental level, we need to pay attention to our thoughts and uh, and make sure that those that energy that is in our subtle energy body through thought forms is clear and can um, attract positive, you might say, experiences. Our heart center needs to be clear. That's the astral level so that we can communicate with our spirit guides or our ancestors. Our um, throat chakra, if that's not clear, it's hard to um, hear information. So in my book, I, I talk about different ways to clear all of our energy, all the places in our energy body, what some of the exercises that we can do so that then we can actually move into these realms, which I call the mystic realms, and contact spirit or the invisible team that we have through these different portals. So one one might be through the elemental realm, where our our animal totems and guides are there to assist us. So the plants and the minerals, rock spirits, they can give us, all of those beings can give us information and guidance. And so in my book, I give an exercise that people can do um, through the four directions. And in the physical area, I've got lots of uh, really key exercises that people can do to clear their body. And one of the main things I find in being able to contact our soul self or spiritual realm where our guides are is to be grounded to ground ourselves in our body a lot of people aren't very grounded a lot of people who are metaphysically oriented and and think they're working on their spiritual life don't don't do that they Ah. don't ground Mm -hmm. into the earth so how do we do that well, that's why I just like the my passion about really getting that message across. We daily have to practice moving our energetic field down into the earth, centering ourselves so that we're connected with matter and earth in order to be able to use our our energy body as an antenna to move out into the realms. So there are a lot of people who have developed, let's say, their psychic um, sensory perception. And yet, if they're not grounded, the question becomes, how much of that information is, um, is not clear, really? You know, how pure is the information that they're getting if their own antenna is staticky. Mm -hmm. So yes, the first thing we need to do is to be able to be centered and grounded and and then be able to um, use our energy body then sort of after it's anchored to move into these different realms, vibrational realms, where... um, you know, the invisible beings are there ready usually to help us with that, whatever it is we're seeking help for. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite way for to 
get grounded quickly. Can, do you want to go over that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's really simple. It's just so. It's just um, you know, it's just a simple thing. And um, in my book, I talk about using the three psychonoetic keys, which means just um, psychonoetic is is the soul knowing keys. And so there's steps, basically. So what I I use myself is place. I sit in my, um, I call it the stable attractor site, which is kind of, comes from quantum physics. And it's really an altar. It's a place that I sit every day. So already the energy in the field in that spot in my home is prepared for to help to help me to to go into that altered state for gaining information, traveling, talking with spirits. So I go there to do my grounding. So it's a matter of finding that place physically in your home and and then or in your being. You don't have to be at home. You can be out in the woods. But to be able to, you know, create sacred space around you, um, I then uh, set my intention for, say, grounding, if that's what I'm doing, to send my energy down into the earth, bring it back up through my body, and open all my centers and clear them at the same time using my breath. And then the third key is shifting gears, which then is to open sort of into a receptive state of of being. So that can happen all very quickly, you know, sort of a, a breathing in, breathing down, feeling my energy body move down, ground, anchor, all those words that we use to describe the energetics of it. And once I, I feel that connection with my center being connected with Earth... Mother Earth, and I've shifted into opening into that receptive mode, I'm then ready to do whatever it is next that I'm seeking to do, which might be being in communion, you know, with um, my guidance. Okay, so... Does that sound like... uh, Does that... Yes, that's an excellent way to. That, that was a beautiful description of a quick way to get grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of ways. It's not the right way, you know. There's not a right or a wrong way. A lot of people have their way of doing that, and I I suggest in in my book just to find your way, but practice it every day if possible. It's just so helpful, just staying present and, and conscious. In the physical realm, in our physical world, it's so important. Just that, at that level. Mm-hmm. And so then you're grounded and you're ready to move into the mystical realm. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? Well, you're asking the, the, the question that the entire half of my book describes how to do. So there's many ways. And if if for example you um you have a question about 
a relationship. Let's just say that one. Okay. So you can take that into the elemental realm and by doing the medicine wheel exercise that I have. And once you've grounded yourself and you've set up your your circle, you begin by setting your intention. I want information that will help me with this problem I'm having in my relationship. So that's the setting the intention. And then once you move in, you've smudged, you've moved into the medicine wheel, and you're sitting in the first direction, you call in the grandmothers and the grandfathers and the spirits of all the directions, and you ask to be serving in the divine light, and then you ask your question. And what I do is I wait until I begin to receive some sort of help or information. So that can come in the form of imagery. It could come in the form of hearing what I need to know. So all of these perceptual sensory experiences I'm telling you right now won't happen if your energy body isn't clear. So the other way it might come in is through a feeling in my body. Like, I know now. I know. I need to do this. So so moving through all the directions and getting guidance from each of the directions in the, and from the elemental world that lives in each of the directions can each kind of give each... Each direction is like a council member that can counsel you on that question. So that's just one example in one of the realms. So let's take that same question. Um, We've covered dreams. So at night, take that question to bed, asking for help and asking for a dream. It's called dream incubation that will guide you around the issue or a problem in the relationship, taking your journal and setting it next to you, writing out the question, go to sleep, wake up, record that dream, and begin unpacking it for the answer. So that's using the dream portal. So let's take another one of them that I have in the book. Um, have the imaginal realm. I love that. Connie, I didn't know what it was called. I'd been going there when I guided people in a guided meditation, and I knew I was seeing things, mm-hmm. but I wasn't making them up. I was watching them unfold, and then my other students, the people in the group, would be saying, yes, I saw it right before you said it. And when mm-hmm. you put a name on it, when you called it the imaginal realm in your book, I just got up and from my chair and jumped <laughs> up and down and Wheeled. I went, oh, there's a name for it, there's yeah. a name for it. Oh, thank you for for saying that, Lois. I really, I just love that. I think that we all can enter that realm together, and it's a shared experience. And, and really... It's so that, exciting when that happens. Yes, it is. And it's like all of you then shifted into into that realm or dimension. It's a vibrational realm where where the images can be given to you through psyche and all it's given to all of you it's given to us you know as a group when we're in that oh it's 
hard to describe unless you've had the experience, you know. It's it's an energetic field that is alive. It's a dimension. Don't you think it's another it dimension? It is a dimension, and that's how I write about it in the book. So to enter that dimension or that space, we intentionally are asking. We don't have to know the vibrational key. You know, here's the code for vibrational realm. Punch five four three two. No, we don't need to do that. Because we're we not machines. No, we just have we just have to set the the psychic intention to have information given to us and to wait and be receptive. And oftentimes the imagery does begin flowing. Now in my book I talk about using your imagination as a as as to to turn the engine to get the imaginal realm open. So like you want to open a door, but you can't get in, you use a key to open that door. Well, sometimes it's helpful for people who are new to moving through to that realm, through that doorway, is to actually begin imagining. So I'll tell tell people, just, you know, if you may feel like you're imagining it yourself, you're actually doing it. You're creating an image. Like like the Sacred Garden exercise in my book, I tell people, imagine being in a sacred garden. Put the, your favorite flowers, plants, trees, rocks, water. Put it all there. And, th- and then you begin to find that, that the imagery begins having its, a life of its own. So what happens? Snake shows up. Your your deceased favorite loving animal pet shows up. Um, a, a deceased relative shows up, and you begin to have these dialogues and information that comes through by setting up this um, sacred garden in your imagery which becomes a portal into the imaginal realm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, you know, so many people say, oh, I'm just making it up. (laughs) I go, that's okay. You're making it up. I'm not making it up. You're making it up. Let yourself make it up. And, And begin waiting for the imagery to speak to you, talk to you, to move around. And... And then the images become, they start coming like a movie, unbidden. And as we watch the imagery coming through, it's it's giving us information that we need to know about. So that's been my experience of it. And, and it's like I'm just watching it unfold. And that's so exciting, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing it, as I said, with a group. Absolutely. So earlier... You were saying that this works if you can keep your field clear or your energy body clear. Yes. How do you know if it's not clear? Well, I guess you can't do this if it's not clear, right? It's really hard for people, yes. Okay. So then if you want to get it clear, how would we go about doing that? Mm -hmm. There's really wonderful, easy things that we can practice daily with intention to keep our our physical and energy body clear. And and one exercise I give in the book 
So we're back to the physical realm now, is how to clear the physical body to prepare it as an antenna. So in the morning or in the in the evening taking a shower, you can simply run your um run your hand through your chakras and pull the energy out by moving counterclockwise, clearing that hand, moving to the next chakra counterclockwise, and moving all the way up your body. And then once you've sort of pulled out the debris or toxins from the energy field, then you go back over the the chakras. This takes two minutes, maybe three minutes, and move your hand in a clockwise position over each one, sealing them back and getting them rotating in the correct positions again. So these are major antennas in our body that we can clear just simply doing that. So with intention, you can also run a rainbow of colors over your body, beginning with red, shower in red water imaginally. And I do this in the shower because it's easy. Um, and then in orange water, and that clears the energy body and the chakras. Um, with our meridians, so the, another energy system is our is our meridian system. Our meridians run up and down our bodies. We can simply um, do what's called the three thumps, thumping the, the right below the collarbone. Um, those are called the K27 meridian points both sides, between the breastbone, which is the thymus gland, thumping that, and underneath the arm, so you thump there, both sides, and you're clearing the energy energy body first thing in the morning by doing three thumps. You can also do different yogic poses to clear the energy body. And then the next question is, how do we keep it clear? So our energy, the aura, it's been called energy body is like a sponge and anytime we're around any uh, any energy from another person or place our energy body absorbs that it happens automatically we don't have to be doing anything at all but it just happens so if, if for example you're around a toxic person energetically that might pull you and drain you you know so you, so it's really several of the ways that we can sort of keep um, energetically keep protect our energy body, you might say, are through various exercises that you put in place in the morning during the for the daytime. But it normally has to be repeated each day. So that one of those exercises is just simply. Um, creating a bubble of light around your field with the intention of keeping your space between your energy body and the the edge of that energetic bubble, um, making that a boundary between your energy being and, and any others. Or you can place yourself in a, a five-pointed star in, like as in sacred geometry, <clears throat> in the morning, you would visualize yourself standing in this um, energetic field that's shaped in the star shape around your body. 
One of the things that I like to do is do the sign of the cross, which also intends to hold my energy body um, clear for the day. So energetically, because I work with people all day and people who ha- are you know in hard places often are uh-huh. carrying energetic uh, blobs that we you know we want to release. Uh, I'm going to just sort of make that a generic term for lots of negative toxic energy. Uh-huh. So I don't want to pick it up in my own body. I don't want my energy body, which is like is like a sponge, to absorb any of that. So it's really important for me to do as many things as I possibly can to um, be able to do that kind of work without being um, affected on in any negative way, you might say. So those are simple things, but, they, but they're but they powerful. And if people will practice them with intention every day, they'll find their energy body stays really clear and um, unhampered by other people or other places. So we can go to a place and feel how energetically it doesn't, it doesn't feel good there. Uh-huh. Yes, you can just as easily pick up the energy of a place as you can the energy of uh, a person. We can, and and you know, you know, just as an aside, there there are autonomous beings in from the invisible realms that are sort of astrally stuck uh-huh. and. And they hitchhike. They do. You don't want to have any hitchhikers either. You don't want to pick up hitchhikers. Yeah. Like everybody, pretty much everybody on the planet is vulnerable to that. Absolutely, especially if we're ill. Mm-hmm. Especially if we're hungry or frightened. If if we're upset, mm-hmm. we we can our. It's like an energetic vibration moves from our regular. Say we're. We run at say a 90 hertz regularly. We move into sort of lower, denser field of vibration, which magnetizes that energy into our field. So again, our thoughts, our feelings, our physicality, how how we take care of our body, all of that works towards keeping us sort of humming along at a at a rate where we aren't open to. Um, you know, picking up hitchhikers. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so as an example, when my father was ill last year and was in the hospital a lot, now there's a lot of people who are, um, they're hurting both physically and emotionally, and there are people feeling, you know, visiting their loved ones and, it's just an emotionally hard place to be around. And so I take my uh, sacred geometry jewelry and I put it on and I use lavender oil on my body. And I set the intention that as I go through the halls in the hospital or go, you know, as I was visiting my father, that I would, you know, sort of be protected for not caring or picking up all the um, emotional energy that was sort of flowing around, swirling around there in the halls Mm -hmm. and in the rooms. 
So that's just an example of you, you want to really be conscious of of being able to just keep your antenna free of any, you know, smudge <laughs> that can happen. Okay. So when people are under anesthesia, they're also vulnerable to picking up hitchhikers, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I, I've worked with so many people who've come in and um, and are being impacted by being weighted down or energetically feeling not quite the same after an operation. And so we have to clear their field and do some energetic work at the etheric level. So it's sort of like this. maybe there's surgery involved, and then now the etheric field hasn't been stitched back up, which is open to all kinds of things. That's our sort of our protective device is our etheric field. It looks like a web, like a web of light right around, about a fourth of an inch around the physical body. So that's sort of our protection skin, skin, energetic skin. Once that's been damaged in some way, um, it's like having doorways into our our being. And and um, and sometimes people have a hard time recovering because there have been hitchhikers or other energies that have um, that they've picked up during that experience. It's not hard to clear, though. You know that shouldn't scare your audience or listeners because it really takes just an energetic intention and some uh, someone who understands how to clear and and heal the energy body. So you would work with an energetic uh, healer, then really clear that out and and then help you learn how to keep it that way. So are there are there any other things that we that you want to cover about how to keep your field clear before we go on to something else? Well, let me think for a moment. Um or ways to keep it strong, maybe? Well, you know, I I know there's lots and lots of ways. I'm, I bet you have some practices yourself, Lois, that you do. My personal practice I shared already was just using my breath, doing mm-hmm. the um, energy, energetics in the morning um, that I described, mm-hmm. sacred geometric patterns and um, intentions. I also use use which I I really haven't talked about in my book but I personally use um a very pure grade form of essential oils um when I'm working there's one called white angelica with through young living that um I use on my shoulders my solar plexus and the bottom of my feet so those are things that I practice almost daily mm-hmm. um I have a um vesica dot com sells um energetic jewelry that's uh made for protection of the field and so I wear some of those pieces. And so, that's based in sacred geometry, yeah, right? Yes it okay. is. Yeah, that comes from Ves- the Vesica um folks out in North Carolina and their mm-hmm. their website is Vesica dot org and 
their um, sacred geometric forms that they that's been created by uh, a doctor from um, from Egypt. Abraham Karim. Yes, he has some amazing pieces that um, we can be we can wear all the time, which have forms on them that that affect energetic our energetic field in a positive way. So mm-hmm. I I do use that as well. So it's it, it we don't need those. We can do that with our intention. Uh, in, intention. Mm-hmm. And if we know the forms to use, mm-hmm. we can place those in our field. But honestly, I think it's, you know, the lazy man's way of doing it. <laughs> Just put the piece of jewelry on that has all the forms in it. So, yep. you know, uh, so those are ways that I I use different, you know, the plant spirits from the elemental realm to uh-huh. essential oils and flower essences. And, you know, we have so many choices to, to use in keeping our energy bodies clear. And, of course, you know, all the logical things of eating pure foods and drinking pure water, all of that, of course, is okay. important. Okay. Pure food, you mean food that's not been grown with pesticides or herbicides, correct? I do. That's and not exactly. genetically mutated. I absolutely oh, mean all the word's that. modified, isn't it? <laughs> genetically <laughs> modified. I, I make that mistake sometimes. Genetically mm-hmm. mutated. Yeah. Right, and spring water, because it's naturally um, structured, and distilled absolutely. water has no structure to it. That's right. And so the, those are just... You know, those are things that we can, you know, be conscious of and making choices of how we, how we, you know, take live, either dead food or live food into our body. We can um, create a sacred prayer for for before ingestion, Mm -hmm. and that again changes and shifts the vibrational constituents of what it is we're moving into our being. Because ultimately it's all light anyway, isn't it? Yeah. So we we you know, there's ways for us to really clear. Now, I didn't I haven't talked we I've talked a lot about, you know, the physicality on the physical realm level, but there's also the emotional level. Mm-hmm. So we really need to clear out any emotional blocks that are living in our energy field. So that can also get in the way of us moving forward on our spiritual path. And um, that's that's a place that everyone knows where their emotional blocks are, what you know the issues are that that they struggle with. But there's ways to go in and clear that as well. So we can do that in in any one of these realms. We can ask for help. We can go into a soul journey, which uh, is you know. You know, I have I rephrased it from past life regression because honestly, I don't know if it's the past. <laughs> it's just moving into these realms where, you know, the imagery is framed in a past life vignette, yet they're powerful, they're healing, they move to the root or the core of the issue, and that can release us from whatever the emotional impact that we're having with regard to that can be. So I'm not saying that every emotional issue we have comes from a so-called past life, but a lot of them do. 
so we can explore that as a realm to clear. I have always always felt like past lives were repressed memories, just like repressed memories from childhood. Absolutely. They have an equal impact, and even though they're not technically really in the past because it's all simultaneous Mm -hmm. from the viewpoint of the soul, um, they they still have as much power and effect. And I've realized that in my own work, that people just change dramatically after they remember something that happened, you know, in 1036 B.C. Yeah, and clear it. Just remembering it and then somehow asking for help in in actually releasing it from the cellular memory imprint. So just the other day, I was working with a young man who... um, who talked about having this need to to be in community and to be in groups, but every time he would go into this group, he'd have this overwhelming urge to to escape. He felt threatened. I had no idea why. Now, you know, I wondered, of course, if when he was a child there was some, something that happened that he got embarrassed or humiliated and that might have been the origin. But in asking his body through kinesiology, applied kinesiology, you know, muscle testing, um, I, and I have a series of questions I asked. I asked if there were if there were any ancestral origins to this issue. Oh, big time, yes. And then I asked, well, how many generations ago did this go back? One, two, three. Went back six generations. Now, this young man had never done any past life work, any of that, you know, all new to it. But having him hold specific meridians on his, on the back of his head and his, and the face, I just had him close his eyes and ask for guidance from his invisible posse or team to take him back to the origin of the issue six generations ago, and he began seeing images of him a, a not himself a little girl and in a crowd and the little girl was horrified and then he saw an image of this woman being hung and the oh. crowd just going crazy and he kept saying it just feels like a a witch hunt witch hunt well kind of figured out six generations ago would be right around the 1600s and there was a whole lot of craze around witches back then. Mm-hmm. And so we discovered that this um, experience, and so he saw another image of an old woman in a wheelchair who was really bitter and um, unhappy, and he felt that this woman was one that was a... Um, was related to the woman who was hung. And so, again, we suspected that this would happen generationally in his family. His family had roots in um, culturally in England. And um, it's very possible that the genetic imprint of fear of crowds was passed down throughout his family. So I asked him if he, anybody in his current family, mother or father, had what we had termed as a social phobia, and he said, oh, yeah, my mother for sure. So 
I don't have enough. I haven't seen him since this um, healing we did, so I don't know if that has shifted for him, but I suspect it will. So, do you find that sometimes it shifts instantaneously, and other times it takes weeks or months? Um, to shift. I would. I'm going to lean more in the direction of instantaneously. <laughs> That's been my experience too. Uh huh. When you get to the origin, it's like a bubble of imprints, images, feelings. When you get to it and you find it right where it is, once it releases, it bursts, and there's a whole energetic shifting that happens in the at the body level that people experience like a. I, I don't know how else to say it, but some sort of shift in energy. Like like an energy cyst busted. Open. Absolutely. You've had that. And you know strange. exactly what I'm saying then. That's Yeah, that's the sense I get. Yeah. And do you think that affects the other family members that are descended from that person who, like, for example, a little girl who witnessed the hanging? Absolutely. I think the work he did is going to have an effect on his mother on the mother's social phobia. And distant cousins he doesn't even know, I suspect. Uh huh. Yeah, I have a story in my book that I always was so amazing to me when it happened. This woman came in to do some past life work. She wondered um, where her psoriasis, if it had been linked to another lifetime. And so... Um, you know, I I never know where this is going to go and just sort of, you know, stay open to whatever information could come up. But if I were to guess, I, I would always guess wrong. <laughs> so we went into, you know, I took her into that altered place, that, that shifting gears and sort of a meditative state that you go into in, in reg- a regression. And it turned out that um, she had been in a leper colony. Yeah. And and there was a a young man that she had fallen in love with, and he, he kept coming there to see her, and she kept begging him to not, you know, no, don't come, don't come, I don't want you to get this. But he didn't listen, and he did come, and he, he ended up, getting leprosy also and dying. And she felt so bad that she had killed him, you know, that it was her fault he died. Mm-hmm. And so she moved to the present and to her and into, you know, the higher realm where her spirit guides were there and got the information that, you know, her psoriasis was a, was left over from her guilt and emotional pain from that lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see her again, and she called me um, not too long after the session, and she said, guess what? My psoriasis is clearing up. It's almost gone. I said, oh, that's wonderful. She says, but what I didn't tell you is my son has psoriasis, and his his skin is clearing up, and it was him in my in my regression. He was my lover in that lifetime. Oh my God! I know, so, and I I didn't know what to say. It was I was struck? I I uh, was just like, oh. 
So says, yeah, just... I didn't even tell him I did this, and his psoriasis is going away also. So it's but... not just your family members when you do the ancestral work, but when you do the past life work, it affects the others who were in the past lives. Absolutely, because oh we're all God. one. We live in a quantum field. <gasps> Energetically, we're healing both our ancestry and those below us, our descendants. So we're really working energetically at many levels when we do our own healing and clearing. It's so amazing. It's not just a web. It's a 3D, 4D, multidimensional web. It is. It is. And we have no idea how we're affecting the web when we heal ourselves or others. I know. I know. I know. I know. I love it. I get really excited about it. Yeah. You know, I I do in the you know the front part of the book before the exercises and doing all that. I talk about that web and how we are all part of it and how we're connected and Mm. you know it's it's our little pea brains hard hard. It's hard for us to sort of hold that concept, but the conscious mind it's so pathetic. (laughs) But when (laughs) we move. We move beyond the conscious mind into oh, these, so much more than that. Yeah, to these these collective realms where we all are connected and have uh, the ability to heal or get information. It's so exciting. It's just so exciting. And you know, I really wish I you know the subtitle had been "Experience the Magical in Everyday Life." <gasps> My really? sure wanted it to be the mystical. Because I talk about these realms as being mystic, the mystic realms, but really it is magic. It's magical to live in these synchronistic ways where we begin opening to these in daily life, where you 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 begin being touched by the magic, which can come in so many different forms and ways. You know, it's like if we open our eyes. We open our hearing, or our antenna from our body is open. We begin seeing into and receiving what's just beyond, you know, our mundane visual world. And it's just so wonderful. I love, love helping people open to those places. And, you know, and they begin talking about, how magical life feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like we've been living in this little tiny black box called the conscious mind is king. <laughs> yes. And once you take the lid off that box, a whole gigantic magical world opens up. And I want to tell everybody who's listening that this book, Gifts of the Soul, will take that lid off the box. Oh, thank you so much. I really hope so. You are that so welcome. My, my passion, my wish, desire <coughs> was to be able to, to do that, to do just that for people, to have them find their own way to experiencing all these places in the dimensions and the realms that are delightful, that are... Um, you know, it's almost like you you walk around in life feeling like you have a secret, yeah, you know, a secret way of knowing, feeling, and getting you know help 
from the divine, invisible realms. Exactly. And I want to thank you for being here today and talking to us, particularly 10 gold... Hello. I stood up and my phone came disconnected. It was terrible. Are you still there? Okay, well, we're just going to finish up this show. And um, sorry about the dead space. And thank everyone for listening today. And again, do not miss this book, Gifts of the Soul by Constance Rodriguez. And it's published by Llewellyn. You can get it on Amazon. Thanks for listening.
Allahi wa mabala.